Welcome to a new episode of Late Edition Crime Beat Chronicles. I am the host and, and producer, Chris Lay. I'm based out of Madison, Wisconsin, and we are changing things up a little bit for this run of episodes. In the past, it's been articles being read and then me kind of introducing those a little bit. And now it's going to be more interviewing the folks who actually work at the publications and have the stories behind the stories of how these these true crime uh, articles ended up you know coming out in the stories that that just happened in the newsroom and so we, we've brought in nat cardona who is going to be the one conducting those interviews and because we're adding adding her into the mix we wanted to take a moment to introduce her and let you guys get to know her because i don't know how much we'll actually be interjecting her story into this down the line, but podcast is all about personality. So, hi, Nat. At least you hope. Hey, <laughs> hey, what's up? So you also, like myself, are based in Madison. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about like how you got your start at Lee and you know your background in in broadcasting and. So I started at Lee about four years ago. I think it was like October of 2018, and that was. I just totally went into this whole thing blind. Um, the job title was, you know, video production assistant or something. I, there was no plan, no foreseeable plan. What ended up happening was I was the host and producer of a video series that went out daily to all our sites. And that was called Five to Nil with me, Matt Cardona. And that was kind of just like uh, kitschy stuff, the stuff that's on the internet that people are clicking whatever you know five hot topics would be out there for the day before that basically right out of college i went up to northern wisconsin and did a two-year tv stint there i was the morning girl for the nbc affiliate up there so i was the reporter out there up in the cold cold north and as you can imagine there wasn't a lot of breaking news so it was like Oh, here's some pancakes at this cabin today. So my couple years stint up in the Northwoods, it was a great experience. Again, it was like all live hits and stuff in the morning, but it was very cookie cutter for me. Uh, and I'm not a cookie cutter person. I'm from Chicago originally, and I'm also Colombian. So there's just a lot of, I have a lot of fiery energy all the time. So, you know, being told what to do and how to look was only going to last for so long. So, um, you know, left there. And that was my introduction to Lee. So that was kind of that. That is my my journalism history. I mean, in college, I did a ton of stuff. I did print and I did radio. So I've kind of done it all. But to the journey that's led me here, you know, being on this podcast is definitely all unforeseen. Like I've really just kind of I am happy with how the journey has gone because it is not traditional what I've done. And I think a lot of journalists nowadays have um, followed in that manner, not because of me. I mean, I wish it was because of me, but just because of themselves and how the world has gone, you know, and people have really laid their own trail as far as journalism goes. And that's, yeah, I still kind of, I'm sitting here right now, like I did not think I was going to be part of a podcast, but here I am. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you know what? I mean, we are excited Excited to bring you on. Thanks. You and I crossed paths a whole lot because you were in at like five in the morning mm -hmm. to do five yeah. to know. I was, yeah, I'm like a crazy person that way. I've always just been an early bird. Yeah. And then I would, you'd be there soon thereafter. You were like person number three in the building every time. 
Jason yep. Adrian's beat, beat us all, obviously. You know. And all those five to no video clips are still out there, I'm sure. Yeah, no, they are. Towards the end of my my stint doing that, I did more um kind of topical things that could have longer shelf life and be on our sites well beyond just the day. Mm-hmm. And that was actually the most fun for me. Like where it was like, you know, five things you didn't know about why why we vote on Tuesdays. Here, there you go. Click, click, boom, boom. <laughs> we'll have that link for you somewhere. If this was uh, video, you'd be able to do the TikTok <laughs> thing and just like point <laughs> and then have the link pop up. God. But yeah, I love doing stuff like that. So yeah, we did. We were always kind of grouped together, huh? Audio yeah. and video. Yeah. Audio and video. And um, and when you were doing the the five to know, was there any like true crime stuff that that you were covering around that time? Or because I know it was, you know, more the the topical whatever was kind of buzzy for that day or the news cycle was for that period of time. Yes. The only thing that comes to mind is the guy who like the most prolific serial killer ever has been finally caught. It was like all this. He was the guy who did like the sketches of um, his victims. Does this ring a bell? I'm going to kick myself later. He was an older African-American gentleman who targeted primarily African-American women. And the reason I'm remembering this is because he did all these drawings and I think it was in prison. So, you know, there's these Jane Doe's all over. I think he was kind of all over the place. So, I mean, he would like draw these women and at least try to show, you know, identification. But that's like as far as Five to No goes, that serial killer is the only one that I, I took a lot of time on that. The dude from California. No, the the Golden State Killer, I was still up north. I was still doing news when that all came about, okay. which is wild. That whole thing is crazy. The book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. chilling how he slipped through the cracks. And yeah, I mean, and that's one of the, the trends with any you know serial killer is just the way that they are able to bounce around from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and... The cops just aren't communicating very well with each other. And you can show up in a new place, have the same MO. And if you didn't make national news, then you're kind of, you know, good to go. Two thoughts here. One, his name is Samuel Little. That's who I was talking about. Second thing is that exact statement is maybe it's like why or at least a very small reason on why I've always been drawn to this topic is because it's nuts to think about. It's, you know, typically men that are unfortunately these type of killers Mm -hmm. but to think that the the statistic is like there's like 50 active serial killers in the united states like currently and to just think about that and it's exactly what you said like think about it like a guy could just kill somebody and move to the three states over and it's just going to be unsolved and i think that's just always something that's really it weighs on me that's just insanity to me how you can be in the you know, back of society and do these awful things. And that's like the pattern, especially back in the day, you know, even 15, 20, 30 years ago, which is not that long ago to, yeah, without police and different detectives in different jurisdictions, not connecting with each other. And, you know, even today, like, well, there's, you know, there's some databases still pretty disjointed from my understanding Yeah, as a lay person. Ted Bundy is one who comes to mind of the same thing where he was jumping around the Pacific Northwest when, when he was active, there wasn't communication. And there's also the aspect of preying on people on the fringes of society. So someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, he was preying on, you know, gay men in, in Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, 
something that we're going to get into with this upcoming uh, season mm-hmm. out of Greensboro with uh, Robert Sylvester Alston, uh, who preyed on African-American prostitutes. And like you were saying, with the the most prolific Samuel Little, the Samuel Little, that's the the same thing. And these are populations where you can't know. I mean, Samuel Little is, you know, he at least I think was trying to come up with a with a full account in the end when you say, you know, he was sketching people. But you'll just you'll never know because there's so many people on the fringes where if they disappear, there aren't people that are going to notice. Or if they they do notice, then there's not a lot of leverage they have. I mean, you know, as a country, we don't serve the the people in the fringes in the same way that we do everyone else. Right. Oh, and it's just it's like the sad nature of it, too, is like sometimes when you don't you are living on the fringes of society, it is a lifestyle that is very transient, vagabondish. You do not have an address that's going to be permanent, most likely. So you you know, you can get lost in the shuffle. And that's it's sad. Yeah. How it can all unfold, you know, not to get too, I guess, overdramatic. But as a culture, we dehumanize people. And in reality, I don't know how far any of us are from being on the streets. It's it's tough to... I think about that. That's a really good point, Chris. You know, you think about how many people are incarcerated or on death row that are being exonerated after the fact by DNA. And and that's another thing that we're going to end up touching on with this podcast coming up because we've got, you know, someone who was fingered for the crimes that Robert Sylvester Alston was committing and... You know, thrown in jail for no real evidence. And it, I don't want to say it destroyed his life, but it ruined the life that he had in in Greensboro, where he was at. And we'll definitely talk more about that. But it's the, you know, we're all, Gosh. you know, one day away from, you know, potentially being in the wrong place at the wrong time or mm-hmm. looking like, you know, someone. And if you've got, you know, a really bad lawyer, <laughs> you know. If any of that kind of stuff was to happen to me, like, I mean, I'd probably be stuck with a public defender, you know, and not, not that that's bad. <laughs> there's, th- there's a lot of really good public defenders out sure, there, but right. it also seems like a whole bunch of the innocence project cases that are going on are tied to attorney incompetence, I guess. Yeah. There's a lot of, you yeah. know, those things where it's, you know, someone just didn't do the due diligence and is going yeah. up against a much more aggressive prosecutor right i mean god so many cases ever back in the day especially i'm not saying that doesn't happen today but people prosecutors love and detectives too like love the wham bam thank you ma'am this case is closed we got the guy and it's just like not the guy which again is just like thank god for dna science even though it's not things obviously still can fall through the cracks and that kind of thing but if dna didn't exist that is a scary scary thing to think about like bad things can happen to good people. Yeah. When it comes to actual true crime podcast, what were some of the the early shows and and stories that that jumped out to you? Cuz I mean, when you and I were talking early on about planning out this season, we set up a lot of baseline connections and I mean, you you certainly ha- have a 
an interest in the topic. You had a, a pretty long, you know, playlist <laughs> that you were passing along to me. But <laughs> what were some of the, the early instances of true crime podcasts that connected with you as a as a listener and a podcast consumer? You you ask specifically about podcasts, but um, if you don't mind me just tossing in there, I would say the earliest memory of true crime and you know how crazy stuff can happen is it was actually through watching like Dateline. So, and I, it actually, I bring it up because Dateline is probably the first true crime podcast I ended up listening to when I got into the realm of podcasts because they, it's basically the show and just audio version. But, um, okay, growing up in Chicagoland, um, like two cases come to mind, one being the Stacey Peterson case. Drew Peterson was her husband. I don't, it's, he's a well known name. I think even nationally, because it ended up being a thing. Basically, he was a lot older than his 25-year-old wife, um, and she's been missing since 2005. He actually ended up having his like first, I can't remember his first or second wife. She died under mysterious circumstances, but it because of Stacy going missing and, you know, further look into this guy, he has been charged with their murder and is now in jail. But it's something that's like haunted me. And I was you know, in 2005, I was what, 10, you know? Um, so it, it's something that stuck with me. Like it's, how can people do this to people? And how can, I guess I, what's always bothered me about many cases is, is the question marks, not having physical evidence or not knowing why these people do things. And, you know, which we'll find out in the future episodes with this Robert Alston case is just like, he doesn't want to say why he did these things. And I know it's hard to, you know, you never be able to justify like taking someone's life and taking them away from their family and stuff. But it's just like, what, you know, what possesses a person to do these things? Um, so that was kind of the first case that is always that kind of prompted my intrigue for true crime. And then the other one being it's actually it's from years before that. It's the Bradley sisters. They're two little girls. They were my age in 2000. I think they got they went missing in 2000. Broad daylight. No one's ever seen him since. And I I think I like watched that news story as a little kid and was like, oh my gosh, well, these little girls, where'd they go? And now they'd be my age, like knocking on 30's door, but we don't we don't know where they are. Um, again, those question marks have always, you know, just really baffled me and you know, kept my interest all these years. So once the podcast game, trying to think like so I started my TV news career in 2016, like summer of 2016. And that was when I started going like really religiously listening to podcasts because the whole thing was I'd be driving alone. Like I would, you know, have to drive at 4 a.m. in the morning and, you know, drive to to an hour, hour and a half away to get to my, you know, live shot, whatever have you. So I was just always turning on these podcasts. And I mean, I don't know what the hell is wrong with me, but dark morning. I just love listening to some murder, man. I don't know what it is. So it's like people, my friends and my family are like, you really need to work on yourself with that. And I'm like, this is fine. I, you know, I, I've always just been intrigued by the dark things that can happen because it's just, uh, it keeps my my fear in check or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. First like set of podcasts, I would say was it was definitely Dateline that was just like shooing because my whole life I was just obsessed with the show. And then just like the classic answer, the the my favorite murder. I mean, they those are the, you know, those two gals are the OGs of 
uh, true crime podcasts for sure. And while, while there are surely others, they were the two that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. So I've been rocking out with that ever since. I mean, oh, another early podcast that I was listening to back in the, or back in the day or back then, I think this is more like 2017, is Crime Junkie. Those two gals are out of Indiana, so I always kind of liked their Midwest connection to us. They just kind of sound like me. I don't know approach approach things in life like me. I'm like, okay, I could listen to these these two women. Um, in a case that's really, again, it's the it's the question mark um, that I keep coming back to. It was a high school student who he went to school that day. He was missing, and then lo and behold, he was unfortunately found between those huge mats that you have in gym class in high school. And like, I don't like, I don't think wrestling mats is the right word, but I don't know if they're like gymnastics mats, but he was found like stuck in between them and basically got crushed or suffocated to death. And there's a lot of mysterious things surrounding that. It seems like it wasn't an accident, you know, things that have come out in the years since then. And this is the stuff that I listen to and keep listening to every day. And I think, and these are just like, that's just another example of a case that I just, I kind of think about often because I'm like, well, what happened there? Like there's suggestion that, you know, he was placed there, you know, after the fact of something and, you know, the marks that were left on his body don't really correlate to the type of death that would happen by being smashed by mats. I mean, oh God, I could go on and on, Um, as you can tell. I mean, like there was this question at my baby shower. It was like, what are Nat's favorite hobbies? And I'm like pregnant. So like the joke was everyone's like, well, she really likes drinking. I'm like, yes, that's true. But my other hobby is and I was like, well, now I just sound worse. I was like, my other hobby is like true crime. And everyone's like, well, what what does that mean? You know, I've got like all 30 women looking at me. I'm like, well, I listen to a lot of podcasts and watch a lot of shows and read a lot of books. And I just like torturing myself with this stuff i guess i don't know i i it's just um maybe there's something about like just a cautionary tale of uh, of things that can happen and how you know all you can do is look out for yourself so i would suggest yes you should look out for the people around you the mysterious death of kendrick johnson was the the crime junkie oh, episode thank and you I'll, um I'll include a link to that uh, yeah. in our show notes or whatever. And yeah, anybody who's listening um, will always have articles and all the relevant stuff that we talk about will be linked up in, in the show notes so you can find everything out there. Please make all those clickety clacks. <laughs> I remember when the first season of Serial started. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. And that's oh. one. I use the first season of Serial as almost a a marker of a, a new era of podcasting. Before then, it was like the when when Mark Marin started getting some traction. And then a few years after that was when Serial kicked off with mm-hmm. the Adnan Syed story mm-hmm. and Heyman Lee. You know, obviously that has found its, I don't want to say final chapter, but you know, it certainly had some kind of finality to, you know, the the books are closed on on aspects of that story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that Serial came as an offshoot of this American life sort of gave it mm-hmm. this, oh, like, you know, smart people can get their their hands dirty in, you know, more, you know, frowned upon, I guess, mm-hmm. populist genre. Something that I think of constantly as like, why do people not just like set my yard on fire? Like, and, and which is, oh, that's crazy. I know. But like, 
because you know you listen to all this stuff and it's like I think about it honestly I think about it once a week like why aren't people just going around just setting yards on fire like because people are nuts and people do crazy stuff like what's stopping them you know it's just that's kind of thing exactly yeah. what's stopping somebody you know you're standing in a bus stop and so the podcast that we're going to be working on for the next four or five weeks is going to be in Greensboro and it's going to be following all of the, the stories uh, around a, a man named Robert Sylvester Alston, who was based in Greensboro, North Carolina and convicted of, and then later admitted to what ended up being a, a grand total of four murders. And like I was saying earlier, there, there's no telling because I mean, there are a handful of other bodies that were found that sort of match his MO, but he would not confess to those crimes. And those are just the ones they found. So, but we're going to be talking with uh, some of the journalists who covered the story when it was happening in the early nineties, we're going to be talking with uh, some of the journalists who were, uh, Revisiting those stories, you know, 10, 15 years down the line, and we're going to hear about the the victims and a lot of the, you know, sociopolitical elements around uh, their deaths where the the police either were effective or maybe less than effective. If there's any lasting effects there, and uh, we'll be sharing a whole bunch of articles I've got rounded up everything and printed out. And I think I've got like 80 pages of articles, single spaced <laughs> mm -hmm. that we're going to be sharing a whole bunch of those uh, going all the way back to uh, November of 91 was the, the first article with the headline worse than death body parts identified victims, family told I'm looking forward to hearing what it was like being in those newsrooms and uh, interesting narratives to unspool here. We're going to be, pushing this really strong in and around the handful of North Carolina newspapers as well. So if if you're in within the sound of my voice and you were if you lived in Greensboro in the early 90s or know someone who did or if you have any any stories about that time and what it was like to hear about these these bodies uh, being discovered and everything around there. Uh, please, you know, reach out. We'll have contact info in the show notes and uh, we want to hear your stories. We'll, you know, get in touch if, if anybody has a, a good lead for us. Yeah, folks, episodes are going to be coming out every Monday. Again, this is late edition Crime Beat Chronicles. You can listen on any of your favorite platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Overcast is, is my personal preference uh, of a podcast player. Uh -huh. but it'll be on Google Podcasts. It'll be out and about. So, and don't forget to subscribe. Yeah, yeah, tell your friends. We got a whole bunch of episodes in the back catalog that you can check out as well. And uh, yeah, we'll have all of our all the info for us and for the stuff that we talk about and all the links and whatever will be in the be in the show notes. We're excited for this, and mm -hmm. we're hoping that uh, you stick around with us. We'll be back in this podcast feed every week, and we will see you here. We need, I don't know what, like a, a good outro, like a sign off. Bye. <laughs> no. <laughs>